Well, it's really good to be up here with you. Last week we heard from uh, Jay Height from Shepherd Community Center, and I hope you were here to have a chance to hear from Jay. He talked about serving God first and having a life of compassion, um, like Jesus had a life of compassion. And he said that when we love others with the compassion of Jesus, people will know that we are Christians by our love. So that's the way we give of ourselves in that way. Each week in November, we've talked about we're going to have a person from you, a person from the congregation, do personal sharing. Now, today, that's going to take place at the end of the hour, so you can look forward to that. Well, today, we're looking uh, into Matthew 6, and last week, Jay started us in Matthew 6, and this week, we're continuing into Matthew 6, talking about first things first. And in today's passage, it talks a little bit about worry, um, and when we put God first, when we seek God first, we have less reason uh, to worry about our troubles here and now. Now, I don't know if you know about me, but I tend to be a worrier. Now, I'm much less a worrier than I used to be. And I remember a time um, in college about worrying about some things that weren't that important. Sorry, it's going to be one of those mornings where my voice is catching a little bit. But in college, I was in a fraternity, yes, I was in a fraternity at Baylor University, whose football team's 9-0, and in case you didn't know that. So uh, we're always terrible at sports, and so this is a new thing, so that's a good thing. But in college, I was in a fraternity, and we entered the all-university sing contest. And I was sure that we were going to place first in the contest. In fact, most of the guys that I was in the contest with, we were sure we were going to win. And when the results were announced, we came in near last. I think we were in sixth place. And we were so disappointed and pretty upset. And what I didn't realize at the time is we were worried, concerned about things that really didn't matter that much. And one of the good things was, one of the guys in my fraternity, even as a college student, was very mature. And I remember going to talk to him about this. And Charles said, you know, Scott, he goes, things like all universities sing they don't last. He's like, really, Scott, there's three things that last. He said, God lasts forever, God's word lasts, and people's souls last. And he goes, so what do we need to worry about? What do we need to be concerned about? What do we need to spend our time on? You know, knowing God, um, reading God's word, studying it, understanding it, and other people, because their souls are going to last. That was a great lesson for me to remember things that I need to worry about or be concerned about are the things that matter, the things that are important. So we need to put first things first and be concerned about the things that truly matter, whether it's um, a college sing contest, which is not so important, or at your job with your family, with your friends in school. We know that God pursued us first. Since the time of creation, God's been pursuing us, and we need to pursue him back. We need to seek him first in everything we do. So let's look at today's scripture. It's from Matthew 6, um, verses 25 through 34. And this is Jesus teaching his disciples. This is God's word. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, or the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, 
can add a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray again. Most loving God, we give you thanks for this opportunity just to read your word. And as we have just read it, we pray that it would go into our hearts and into our lives. And Lord, as we discuss it, that we can apply it to our lives as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we discuss this passage, there's some short notes in your bulletin. There'll be a few of those on screen if you'd like to look along. But as we look back to last week and what Jay said uh, from, or read from Matthew 6, um, he read in Matthew 6, 20 and 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So wherever we put our treasure, where we put our time, our talents, our treasures, that's where our heart will be. And we also read, do not store up for yourself treasures that can be destroyed by miles and rust, but store up treasures in heaven. We need to invest our time and our money and our talents, the things that we can do, into things that matter, into God and the people that matter to God. That's where we need to invest. And then Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, which we just read, Don't worry about food and clothes and the stuff of this world or the things of this world. And he also says that worrying about those things, it doesn't help you at all. Now, I mentioned that I can be um, a worrier, so this passage is is wonderful to me because it helps me. And there are still times when I worry. I worry about, you know, paying that big doctor's bill that we got, uh, I'm not good fixing things at home, so when something breaks, I immediately kind of worry about it. How am I going to get this done? Do I need to call a repairman, as Jay Hype mentioned last week as well? But when I worry about things very long, I know that I have not only a mental response, but even a bodily bodily response. If I think about it and and I kind of take a moment to stop, I can feel that my shoulders get tense, my neck can tighten up, and I'll wake up sometimes with a sore, a sore neck, feeling like I need someone to rub out the kinks in my shoulders or neck. And I know that when I start doing that, when I put my energy into worry, it's not energy going in to worshiping God and serving God. It's going into things that don't matter. I read from a Bible scholar this week named Myron Augsburger, and he said this about worry. I thought this was really helpful. Worry is irreverent. It believes God can't handle our problems. If we're revering God, we know that he can handle our problems. So worry is irreverent. Worry is irrelevant. It doesn't change things, and it doesn't help. Only actions change things. Prayer changes things. Worry is irrelevant. And worry is irresponsible. It burns up energy that could be used elsewhere. We can use our energy elsewhere instead of worrying about things that we can't do something about. I also think about when Jesus talks about worry and not 
not worrying. I've learned a lot from Philippians 4, and I know I've mentioned this before to some of you and seen some heads nod as we've talked about this verse. This is what it says, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul says, don't be anxious or worry about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So instead of worry, what do we do? We pray about everything, and in place of worry, when we give over our burdens to God, just our everyday issues to God, he can replace that with his peace, which is always better than worry. We can realize and acknowledge that worry doesn't change things, but when we pray to God and then we take action on the things that do matter to God, we can make a difference and not worry so much. Well, what else do we do? Well, this, this passage is not just about worry. And as Sharon prayed earlier and what we're talking about today, we're talking about seeking God first because God sought us first. He pursued us. We need to seek God first. And that's what Jesus says. He says, seek God first because God sought you first in Matthew 6, 33. And then he says, God will take care of the rest. Well, what does it mean to seek God's kingdom? He said, seek God's kingdom and righteousness first. Seeking God first does, does not mean just simply going to God first, and then when you've had your time with God to seek things of the world, it means viewing life through a God lens and seeking God's kingdom above all else, over everything else, seeking God's kingdom. The great scholar John Stott said, we can either be God-centered or self-centered, but there really is no alternative. We need to be one or the other, and we need to be God-centered centered. And when we seek God first, when we put him at the center, everything else will fall into place. What does that mean? I think that means that God will take care of your needs. You know, when you put God first, the other things in the world that I might worry about, that you might worry about, they don't seem so important anymore. And God is a provider. God takes care of the things that we might worry about or be concerned about. God provides. God will take care of the rest our other problems begin to take a back seat. So we love God first, we seek God first, and we love others first. We put others ahead of ourselves. And we've heard about that recently here at ZPC in our church. I don't know if you remember, but last week, I know at both hours, we prayed that there were uh, five men who were serving on a Kairos weekend. And we prayed for them during this Kairos weekend. I talked to one of them this week and he said, he quoted an inmate in prison that said this, I have never known what love was until this weekend. I have never known what love was until this weekend. So those men made their time and their relationships with others a priority above all else. And God responded. Last week you saw a video and you heard about 52 people who spent time and their talents and their treasures to go down to Eastern Kentucky and serve on a mission trip over fall break. It wasn't a long time. It was just about three and a half days. Well, this week I got an email, an email that said this. There was some news even from that trip that just in the last week or so, there was a man whose family was touched and served on that trip that realized that he said that he was lost. He accepted Christ. And last Sunday he was baptized at the Corn Creek Baptist Church. 
When we're obedient to God with our time, talent, and treasure, who knows what might happen? God might multiply what we do. We don't even know what it might affect. But when we're obedient with our time, talent, and treasure, God can use that in awesome ways to make a difference in the world. Again, we seek God first because God sought us first. And then we serve others out of that love for God and seeking God. So we've been talking a lot the last two Sundays and this morning already about um, using your talents, using your gifts and ability, using your time, and using your treasure to seek God first. So this Sunday, I'm asking you on behalf of our church session and leadership to be givers to ZPC and to make a financial commitment to ZPC for the year 2014. And I'm happy to tell you this morning that we sent out a separate mailing to all the people in the church who have served as um, deacons and elders over the many years of this church, and there's more than 150 of you who've served as officers of the church. And as of today, we have 100% of this current elder class. So of our 15 elders, the 12 elders that are currently serving and the three for next year, 100% of them are committed to ZPC for 2014. And out of our other elders and deacons that we asked to commit early, and not all those are in yet, we already have 81 commitments of people that are committed to ZPC for 2014. So if you're not yet committed for next year to be giving of yourself, of your finances, of your time and talent, I want to encourage you to do that. And if not today, to bring one of those commitment cards um, next Sunday. We're going to have that as part of worship for you to bring that. And you might say, well, um, well, first, I'd like to say this. I want to say thank you to our leaders for serving and leading. And over these last few years, few years and I would say even, um, even over these last seven months, so many of you have stepped up to lead in so many ways, um, doing and leading ministry that otherwise wouldn't take place. You're already leading. And so now so many of you are leading through the giving of your um, time and treasures as well. Well, you might ask, Scott, what are you doing about it? Is your family committed? Um, and I would want to tell you that Claire and I have talked about it. We ourselves are committed financially to ZPC for 2014 as well. And I turned in my card this morning, and I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to serve alongside of you, and I really look forward to next year as well. And I joke sometimes that I'm here because I have to be here. You know, you pay me to be here, so I have to show up on Sunday morning. I have to do that. Not really. I really enjoy being here, and I truly, as a pastor, feel called to be here in this place with you. Now, I will share that Claire and my kids, they don't have to be here. You know, they can sleep in on Sundays. They don't have to come, but they choose to come, and they choose to be here and committed as well. Claire has served faithfully for, for many years, um, for many years in our church's youth ministry, and now sometimes in our kids' Sunday school classes, especially with Luke and Graham's Sunday school class. And recently, just this fall, Jacob and Lexia, who are 15 and 13, have begun serving in the nursery and at the 1030 Treehouse classes with our kids. So they're engaged in serving as well. We like to seek God first by giving to ZPC, but we also want to tell you we enjoy giving in some other ways as well. So if we talked about, you know, time, talent, and treasures, it's all of those things. One of the most um, joyful things that I think Claire and I have gotten to participate in 
is from being involved in youth ministry over many years at CPC. And so over many years, we saw a lot of our teenagers grow up, go to college, and then become, get into their 20s. And many and many of them went on short-term mission trips or took a year or two years or three years, or for a couple of them, have made a lifetime of serving God in missions. And so oftentimes we'll get letters from them saying, will you support me on my mission? And we haven't always answered yes to all those. We haven't felt we could financially support everyone. But we have supported some of those, and it's been joyful to write a check and send it to them because they're out doing God's ministry in places over the years like Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Morocco, and Germany, and even locally here in the Zionsville and Indianapolis area through Campus Life Ministry. And when we've given to those kids and given to their ministries, we feel a lot of joy because we're part of something bigger for ourselves and our youth are then, as they grow up, they're um, making disciples out in the broken world away from the church here. And that's been a joy to be a part of that. Claire and I talk often about um, looking for ways to serve God um, out in the world because we want to show our kids what it's like to serve God. And we fail at that sometimes. I'll be real honest with that. Sometimes we can't find the right place or we're too, we just get too busy and we use that as a reason or an excuse. But this summer, Claire landed on a place where we could serve. And so this summer, she found out that all of our kids, again, ages 15, 13, and Luke and Graham, who are 11, that all six of us could serve at the same time at Wheeler Mission through their men's ministry, that we could go down and all six of us could serve dinner. And so she set us up. We got on their schedule to serve dinner three different times at Wheeler Mission this summer. We haven't been back this fall, but we did serve three times this summer. And the reason I share this is because, as I share, sometimes I'm a worrier. When we first were going down there and setting this up, I was a little worried about how it would go. I had to look it up on Google Maps. Wheeler Mission has several locations. I had to find the one that was the men's ministry, get directions, and then, and then we had to figure out what time, how much time do we have to leave to get down there on time and get everybody in the car. Well, one of our boys got sick, so Claire's mom, we scrambled at the last minute, Claire's mom came over to watch one of the boys that first time down. And as we're driving downtown, I was carefully following the directions. I was wondering if it would be safe to park there. It was a natural concern. And then Claire says, yeah, and then when we get there, we've got to park, and we've got to go up to the door, and you have to push a buzzer to get in. I'm like, how do I know which door we have to go to? You know, is it going to be obvious? Where, where do we go? Is, what, what if no one's there to answer the door? That's kind of how my mind works sometimes. Well, we get there. We find the parking lot, which was great. We go to the door. We press the buzzer. Someone comes to the buzzer. We sign in, and we go in the kitchen, and we get our job assignments. And everyone had to put on those little latex gloves. We all had to put on an apron. And all the volunteers and the volunteer coordinators were so nice to welcome us in. And so over the course of those three times, we had different job assignments. Mainly, though, it was Claire, Jacob, and Lexia serving behind the counter, putting the food on the trays to set out for the men that would come through, about 150 men that come through there every evening. And Luke and Graham and I got to be out in the cafeteria area um, serving water or lemonade to the men would come through. And again, I'm thinking, you know, what if we don't do it right? What if we spill the drinks? You know, what if we, what if we mess it up? What if the men aren't nice? So I'm thinking all these thoughts. 
Well, we go through, and we did it the first time, and it was great. We did it a second time and a third time, and it was wonderful. And we found out that some of the men who had come there off the street were rough-looking, and they had a tough exterior, exterior. But for the most part, the men were so kind and grateful, and they wanted to come up and engage in conversation with Luke and Graham, and they kept saying, are you guys twins? Yeah, yeah. They would tell a story about twins. And then we got to talk to them and got to know them, and it turned out to be a great experience. So what did we learn from that? Well, one thing we learned, we learned that a man could grow hair and turn it into dreadlocks down past his waist. That was kind of cool. The boys thought that was cool. So dreadlocks down past his waist. Other than that, we learned that a lot of the men that came through those doors were just like us. They were God's children, and they were people just like us. And we learned that when we set aside the worry, like I would set aside some of my worries, and that we just went and served, that it turned out great. And even if it didn't turn out great, it would be okay. And as we served those three different times, I learned by looking at some of their issues and some of their problems and some of their concerns that they dealt with, that the everyday issues that I have paled in comparison and weren't so important. And so I learned as we give and we seek God first, that my worries lessened, and they weren't as important as I thought they were. I went to a conference on Friday, and I heard some great speakers at this conference called America's Best Hope. It was just a one-day conference. And one of the speakers early in the day, Jeff Simmons, said that people want three things in life. He said they want to be loved, people want to matter, and they want to grow. People want to be loved, they want to matter, and they want to grow. And I want to tell you that we are loved by God. God loved us first. Even if you don't always feel love from the people around you, God loved us first. You are loved. He pursues a relationship with us, and we want to pursue a relationship back to him. And we want to matter. And when you participate in something bigger than yourselves, like the life of this church or a short-term mission trip or giving to something that's really important when you give of yourself to something else, then you matter and you sense a, a... a sense of joy in your life and a sense of significance when you give to something bigger than yourselves. And we want to grow. And we grow by coming to church and learning more about God and learning more about ourselves. And when we give, we learn even more about ourselves, that we can be a part of God's kingdom and seeking God's kingdom first before everything else. When I seek God first, I realize that I am less selfish And when I see God first, I realize I'm I'm starting to look at others first instead of my own needs. And when I seek God first, his kingdom of things like peace and justice are given back to me as I try to give those to others. One Bible scholar I read this week said, seeking God first is wholehearted allegiance, wholehearted allegiance to God's kingdom and righteousness. And I will try to give each day to seek his will first, knowing that some days I fail, and when I do, I know that he forgives me and I can get back up and seek him again. And when we do that, when we give that allegiance to God to seek God first, some of those worries go away, and we can experience some of the fruit of the Spirit that he says we have when we seek him. Things like peace and joy and patience and self-control. And so finally, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
We are to live one day at a time. One scholar says, Jesus uses common sense here that worrying about tomorrow is silly because we can't get there yet, and today is enough. We know that our lives are in the hands of a loving Father who cares for us. So as we seek God first, we want to seek God by committing to ZPC and to the work of God through this church. And we have the chance to do even more here than is going on right now. As we look forward to the future of ZPC, we realize that there are good things on the horizon. And if we give, if we give of ourselves, of our time, talent, and treasure, God can do great things through that. So again, I encourage you, if you have not already, to prayerfully consider what you will give um, to ZPC for 2014. And you're encouraged to get one of those cards that you got in the mail or there at the Welcome Center as well. And to bring that next week as part of your worship to God. As I said earlier, um, we're having personal sharing each week. And this week it's from Elder Kevin Schmidt. He's going to share a little bit about himself and what he and his wife Melissa give to the church. And then also some other reasons you may want to participate and give yourselves. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Scott. Well, I'm head of the finance team, and I'm not here to beg you for money. My goal here is to kind of share, you know, the Schmidt family. He said, hey, Kevin, why don't you and Melissa share what you guys do? And I said, well, great. Melissa, Scott wants us to talk about, you know, what we do with time, talent, and treasures. And she said, great, you do the talking. Here's what you should say. Basically, for us, we've been here 19 years. ZPC is family. It's that simple. We're here because we want to be here. We moved here, and our kids were, uh, the three little ones were uh, two, four, and six. And over those 19 years, our kids have participated in all kinds of things. And I'm going to use my wife as a perfect example of how to kind of blend into a church and help out, and nobody even knows, right? So the kids were little. We helped in nursery school or out in Sunday school a little bit. Uh, in youth and choirs class. So Catherine starts sixth grade youth and choirs class. And Melissa goes, you know, we can make this a little better. Scott and her met on a regular basis. I took care of the little ones, and Melissa and Scott helped. Melissa is a deacon. She helps make food, meal ministry, right? Just normal stuff helping the church. We both sing in the choir. Why? Because we like to sing. We're not here to entertain you, and we don't always sing on key, at least I don't Once in a while, we miss a few notes. But we enjoy singing, so we do. Melissa's also a master gardener, so this spring, Melissa and I went out and bought 150 pansies. Is that right, pansies? And we planted half of them at the church and took the other half home and planted them there just because that's fun to do, right? So we participate in this church because we like to. It's fun. If you've ever helped with a Habitat for Humanity home, you know what's really fun? To go there, bang some nails, take a step back and go, I did that, that was fun, right? That's what's fun. That's the whole joy of participation. Um, I'm also kind of in a unique situation in that for the last six years, I've served on the finance team and for the last... A uh, couple years, I've been, uh, last year, I've been chair of that. So I get to see where all the money 
kind of goes out the door in what we spend our money on. And I can tell you, our church, the uh, austerity measures that we've taken uh, have worked. Uh, We've actually got all the bills paid. Uh, We don't have any um, money borrowed on the credit line. And the word, again, is we have enough money. We don't have too much, but we've paid our bills. This month alone, we've made commitments of over $60,000 just in missions. This church will commit over $420,000 in just pure mission payments, 100% lay-led ministry. If you'd like to hear one of the best reports we've heard as a session, it was for Val Lindenschmidt, who came to our session and said, let me tell you about the Mission Commission and the things that we do. Every mission, every dollar that's given is scrutinized with tremendous due diligence. I know that all $420,000, that money is really well spent. They care desperately about how that's done. The remainder of this fiscal year, which is at the end of May, we have another $280,000 of commitments yet to make just in missions. We're going to need your help to make that happen. But as a church, we have enough. We're very, very grateful And so that's kind of a neat situation. We're a little behind on our budget, but basically we're not funding the fix-up funds. So if a big air compressor goes out, we might be in trouble, but so far we're doing well. Let me tell you some of the other things that give me peace of mind that what we're doing here at this church is pretty cool stuff. The session meets on a regular basis, and we get reports from all kinds of teams, all kinds of things that are going on. We hear about people being turned away because we have too many people wanting to go to Kentucky. And we've got, um, well, Sherry Pipkin, the Noah's Ark. Every day we have 100 to 125 kids down in Noah's Ark. Five years ago, that organization lost $175,000, and it was hurting financially. Today, last year, they broke even and were slightly profitable. Why? Because they managed it well, they did well. That $175,000 went a long way to help our church become financially healthy. You should give Sherry a big thank you when you see her next. We've heard from Tim King, the head of the FAT team. Now, isn't that a great name? The facility advisory team about what's going on with the facilities and the good things there. We've got the deacons. My wife is a deacon run by Steve Wright for the last year. And Steve's done a great job of getting 24 people fully engaged in what they're doing. We heard from Mindy and the prayer team, and what that, we get a prayer email on a regular basis. Unbelievable, meaningful, moving things. If you've noticed, the library is back in action. We've got a new pastor coming. The session trusts each other as we talk every day. I've got a list. I hope I get through it. Uh, We hear from um, Sarah Halstead and Michelle about the finances and all the processes that are taking place. We heard from uh, Amy Crispin and uh, Kristen Inskeep, and they came and said, well, here's the Sunday school from basically zero to fourth grade. And one takes care of the younger ones, one takes care of the older ones. And in the course of one month, I asked the question, so how many people really help you out in the course of a month to do this Sunday school? And they said, oh, well, it's about 70 people. I said, really? 70 people each month helping those kids? That's pretty cool. We heard from uh, John Graybell and all the uh, work that goes into making this worship service a, a good, cohesive service. We hear about second-half adventures. What a tremendous group. 
right? 65 and older, they're, doing, they're the most active group in the church. It's fabulous, right? Great speakers, great talks. So my message is very simple. I hope that ZPC can become your family and that you participate in it. You know, families have good seasons and bad seasons. Sometimes we're a little dysfunctional. Sometimes we work perfectly smooth. But we've said we want to be a part of the solution. We want to be a part of making this family a better place to be, to worship. And so we give of our time. We give of our talents. Why? Because we want to. It's fun to do that. The friendships that we've made, the relationships that we've built, the music we get to participate in, that's fun to do. So we do it because we want to. And we pick things that we can do kind of easily. For me, finances and reading a financial statement, I do that. That's easy, right? I'm not a lawyer and I'm not going to rewrite the bylaws, but I do things that are kind of relatively in our wheelhouse, if that makes sense. So my challenge is to each of us, pick something in your wheelhouse and do it and have fun. And when you're all done, you kind of go, that was fun. You know, I met so-and-so, or we got to do this, or we prayed together, or I heard about this hurt. To me, that's what church is about. Now, Melissa and I were very blessed to come from a family in which giving was a part of what we learned. When I was a young boy, I had three older sisters. I still have three older sisters, but when I was a young boy, Compassion International came to our church, Bethany Baptist Church, DeKalb, Illinois. And they had a, all the pictures of the kids, right? So I went, and my dad says, Kevin, why don't you pick out a brother? I picked out some kid. His name was Keon Kuhn from Korea. And I wrote him a letter. Hi, I'm your new brother, right? So we learn that. Melissa's family is the same. So we learn giving at a young age. We've tried to teach our kids that. When we, our kids were little, Melissa got out baby food jars, and she said, spending, gifts, church, savings, right? And you put the coins in the baby food jars. Anybody else do anything kind of like that? So we've tried to teach giving too. When our kids were little, we took the tote and the list, and we all went to the grocery store, and we filled up a tote together. Simple things, but it's fun. So my challenge to all of us is, is ZPC your family? What are you doing to help? And will you help us? It's just that simple. And will you do it because you want to? Because it's fun? And when you're done, you get to smile and go, that's cool. And in a couple weeks, you're going to see 60 people up here, and we're all going to try to sing, and I'll be the short guy at the end fighting this palm. And it won't be perfect, but when we're done, we'll go, that was neat. And we hope that you'll be lifted up by that. But you might be lifted up by doing all kinds of other things at this church. And I hope you'll participate. At the end of every session meeting, we stand up and we say a prayer. I'm going to ask us to do that together. Let's stand up and pray. And then Scott will lead us in a benediction. Dear God, we thank you for the ZPC family, what it can mean in each of our lives. We thank you for a chance that Melissa and I have to participate. We thank you for Scott's leadership. We thank you for every person that's here and the amount of greatness that each of us can do and participate. Help us to do this under your will, your guidance. Lead ZPC forward 
into our next chapter. Help us each to take your guidance and leading and give of our time, talents, and treasures to ZPC. And it's your name we pray. Amen.